Now that's a wonderful gospel reading, it's one of my favourites. I love it when they say that Anna was 84 years old and all that stuff. Anybody identify with that? Oh, you're far too young, of course. You're like Sue, it's a young church. <laughs> anyway, it's a lovely... And, and I, was, I was really thought about um, speaking on that today, but I prayed about it and so on and so forth. And I really want to draw to your attention um, that amazing uh, chapter from Corinthians uh, that we, we looked at a little while ago. And, and that is, is really something. So um, that's the bit I'm going to, to, going to share with you, if I may. Now, it's one of the, probably the, one of the best known chapters in the Bible, isn't it? The chapter about love. I mean, there's some chapters that you readily recall, like Psalm 23 or, or um, something like that. You know, but here, here's one that's really, really well known. And it comes in one of the longest, in fact, it is the longest of Paul's letters that we get in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians. He also wrote 2 Corinthians. That was long. And uh, you can sort of kind of reckon, as you read it through, that he probably wrote 3 Corinthians and 4 Corinthians. We haven't got those, but he had a lot of things to say to the church in Corinth. So just a, a quickie about Corinth. Why was he so bothered about it? Well. It was a Greek city, although it was a long way from Athens, it was a Greek city. It was a Roman colony. Um, it was a kind of cosmopolitan city. I mean, they sort of, you know, uh, flexed their muscles a bit, you know, and uh, ruffled their feathers a bit to show how big they were. That was the character, the feel of Corinth as a city. They thought quite a lot of themselves. So it's no wonder that uh, Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, thought, ah, Corinth, I need to share with them something of the love and the mercy of God. And so he did. We read in Acts chapter 18 that he went there and he spent about 18 months there. He worked with a couple called Aquila and Priscilla and one or two other Christians there as well. He had quite a rough time. They weren't going to accept this this message that easily, um, and so it's it's quite it's quite something that this visit that Paul did when he went to Corinth, and that there we are, we, we, we've, we've got ourselves to the city and to the church at Corinth as well. But he went with a lovely uh, lovely message as he would. It comes for us at the very beginning of uh, one Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 2, I just want to read it to you. His greeting in this letter, remember he'd been there 18 months, gone away, writing back to them. Uh, he says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So that's lovely, isn't it? He went with this message. Um, of grace and peace. And uh, after he'd left, after 18 months, some other months had passed by because he'd got other churches to attend to, he, he wrote to them. And he, he starts the doubt like that. Now, um, any of you know the letter to uh, the church at Corinth, he had a lot of hard things to say. So he could have started off, well, it's time I wrote to you because you got yourselves in a mess. But he didn't. He greeted them with the love 
and the mercy and the peace of God. What a, what a lovely thing to do. And uh, he was very, very concerned for them. And um, we, we read, for instance, in chapter one, he says, I, I, I hear there are divisions among you. Dear. A little bit later on, he says, and there are quarrels among you. This is what he'd heard about the church at Corinth. This is why he wrote. And um, a little bit later on, he says, um, I want to respond to the matters that you wrote to me about. So obviously they had written to him and said, hey, Paul, you said this, that, and the next thing, but we don't understand it. Can you give us clarification? So there was quite a relationship between the church, the Christians, the leaders in Corinth, and Paul. And here is this long letter where he's writing to try and help them. So hugely, hugely important uh, as Paul was going to write this. And uh, we come to this chapter here, chapter 13. So can you begin to see why he wrote chapter 13? Because he was saying there's quarrels and there's divisions among you. And so what I want to tell you is how to cope with that kind of thing. And that was really the burden, the, 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 the bit of this chapter that he was writing about. And so he, he says, now look, let me give you an illustration. Now, in the reading of Corinthians, we, we looked at 1 Corinthians 13. I've now got you into chapter 12, which is just prior to that. I'm reminding you of that because you might like to get home and read it. Uh, 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 in the quietness of your own home, or maybe discuss it with one another, and so on. So I'm looking now at chapter 12, and um, he, he says, you've got yourselves in a muddle for no good reason at all. Let me give you an illustration. He says, you're, you're, you're in a muddle about, about leadership. You're in a muddle about who does this, and who's responsible for that, and who should take on the other. That's what he's talking to them about. That's ever so much like churches today, isn't it? I, I'm sure it's not true. The church has been shepherd. But, you know, <laughs> it is true. And, and if you pick up anything, for instance, about the wider church in different countries, in our own country, our church synod, you know, the bishops and so on and so forth, there's arguments and going on and, you know, who's this job and who's that job and who's the other job and she shouldn't be doing this and... I don't know why he doesn't get on with that. You get all that. Because, because we're who we are, we're, we're sinful people. God has redeemed us, shown us his love, cleansed us, but we're still the same people. And um, I guess you can recognize this. So I want to read you a little bit of what Paul said to them. And I'm going to read it to you in a, in a very modern, it's not really a translation, it's a paraphrase called The Message. Some of you may have come across that. And I think Paul brings it out because I have a shrewd suspicion that when Paul was writing this, he had a grin on his face. See if you can get that feeling as I read these couple of verses to you in, in a very, very modern translation of what we call a paraphrase. Paul says, You can, e you, can, you can easily see what kind of things I'm looking for. You can look no further than your own body, right? 
Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. All different parts, but you're still one body. Then he goes on to say this. This is the bit where I think he has a grin on his face. If the foot should say, I'm not very elegant, like the hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body really, I'm no good. Now if the ear should say, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body were all eye, how could it hear? And if it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wants it to be. And that's true, isn't it? That's true. Two ears, two eyes, a couple of feet, two hands. Don't look at my feet. I'm off to the chiropodist on Thursday. <laughs> but I need them. So what Paul is saying, look, this is a picture of the church as the body. Every bit of it is really, really important. And it needs to work together for the good of all. I'm sure he had the grin on his face when he was using that illustration. And you know, illustrations usually stay with us in our minds better than lots of other things as well. But Paul didn't leave it at that. He came in then with the big deal. And the big deal comes in verse 27 of chapter uh, 12 of 1 Corinthians. He says this, you are the body of Christ and each one of you a part of it. That's the big deal. That was the thing he was trying to illustrate. He was saying, it doesn't matter what your gift is, what you're able to do, how good you are at this, how you can't do that, where you sit, sit in the whole thing, you're important. You're the body of Christ. And the hands and the feet and the eyes. And he talks about, which I do find this amusing, the unpresentable parts. <laughs> I leave that to your imagination. <laughs> it's good though, isn't it? But not only was this the big deal that he was presenting to them, you're the body of Christ, and I've illustrated this from your own body, all in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please do look at it. Um, but he goes on to say, you are the body of Christ, each one has a part of it, and so he gives them a list of the parts, gives them a little list. Leaders, preachers, apostles, all sorts of wonderful things, but in the middle of it, in the middle of this is verse 27, in the middle of it, he says, and those who are able to help. In this wonderful, august list, I mean, we could write it out today, archbishops, bishops, you know, priests, deacons, you know, diocesan secretaries and all, we could write out that kind of list. And in the middle, and those who are able to help. I want to say this straight to you this morning. There is no one here that can wriggle out of that. <laughs> no one. 
that can wriggle out of that. And then the next word he uses, it comes out in our Bible translation as administrators. What that really means is organizers and those who make things happen. <laughs> I bet you've got lots of people here. Sue over her years of ministry, me over my years of ministry, I've come across these people. People who make things happen. You know, you're, you're having a, a meal or a tea party or you're organizing something and there's somebody who quietly gets on with it and makes it happen. I'm not a posh title. Administrators, we might call them. Organisers, we might call them. So this is the big deal that Paul puts before the church at Corinth. The church who was all over the place. Divisions, arguments, falling out with each other. Couldn't sort it out. Quarrels. And this is what he was writing to them. And he was writing it to them with humour. I've, I've sort of lifted my voice a little bit once or twice, but he, he wouldn't have been shouting at them. He was saying, look at it like this. You're the body of Christ. Every bit of you is important and necessary. But he didn't finish at that. Not only did he give them the big deal, but he gave them the best way forward. And this is where we come to chapter 13. We often think of chapter 13 as good for Valentine's Day or good for a marriage or good for a funeral. I, I get it read, asked, asked if I can have it, uh, if I will put it into the service for funerals and weddings. I'm happy with that. It's lovely. Very happy with it. Nothing wrong with it. But that's taken it out and, and applied it to, to just one or two people. But here, Paul is applying it to the whole church, this great love passage. The great love passage. He's applying it to the whole church. Love is. Love is the church of Jesus Christ. Glorifying him, witnessing to him, magnifying him. How important that is. So what Paul is saying, and if you read it through, you'll get it. He's saying there's no place for arrogance. There's no place for pride. There's no place for one-upmanship. There's no place at all for envy. There's no place of saying I'm the most important person or whatever. No place for that at all. All of that is out. What is in, what is in, is to be like Jesus. That's what's in. To love like him. To know his love in your own life and to love like him. That is what this chapter is about. It's about the church of Jesus Christ slotting in as the body needs to slot in all the bits and to know that it's motivated by love. And so how tremendously important that is for us every day. How tremendously important that is when we pray for the church of Jesus Christ throughout the world. When we pray for our own diocese. We're going through a time now of, of um, Shape by God together. And uh, I don't know how it's happening here. But I mean, I find as I move around people muttering and rumbling and rum, 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 you know. Okay, there will be things that we find difficult and uncomfortable. But we need to remember that when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he wrote this chapter about love for the church and for them 
to be there together if we really want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the first place, chapter 13 is not a Valentine's card. It's an encouragement to you and to me as Christians as we seek to be the church, to be the body, to be the witness in our world today of a God who loves us so much that he's given us this lovely service today which reminds us of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that although faith and hope and love, these three Paul says, but the greatest is love, because you are love, and you loved us so much that you sent your son for us. And we just thank you in his name.